welcome to Film Broad C, a podcast for women who want to learn how to write and produce a film they love. If you're a newbie writer or filmmaker, or an actress who's tired of auditions for one-dimensional roles, if you're overseeing yet another badly written script from a mediocre white man and you want to do something about it, you're in the right place. Get inspired by the pioneering women of the golden age of Hollywood through to today's changemakers and disruptors with practical how-tos to finally write and produce your damn script already. I'm your host, Emily Grace. Welcome to the show. It's episode five, and I want to start by saying thank you. This is a brand new podcast, and I'm so thrilled to see the reviews coming in, to see you subscribing and downloading and listening. Creating this podcast is a lot like the process of creating your film. It started as an idea in my head, and now my baby is out in the world where it can make an impact. All the work I've done behind the scenes, it's out there now, and it's no longer just my podcast. It's our podcast that we are creating together. Because without you, this podcast doesn't mean anything. It's because you are here listening right now that gives it value. Now, if you want to take 90 seconds to leave a five-star review, I won't be mad about it. It'll probably make my day. Okay, moving on. Earlier this week, I saw an Instagram reel featuring Reese Witherspoon that I know is going to inspire you. So here is a quote from the speech that she was giving. Against all the advice I've ever received in the movie business, like you should save for retirement in your 40s because you're not going to work very much and never spend your own money on the movie business, I decided to invest in myself by self-funding a production company. I just kept putting money into my company and showing up and betting on myself because I am my own best lottery ticket. Now, in my 40s, I'm working more than I ever have. I'm making more money than I ever have. And that's not to brag. That is to illuminate how much our business has really changed. Reese Witherspoon is such an inspiring force in this industry. The way she has carved out her own path and really put her money where her mouth is, she options a lot of really fabulous books that she turns into TV series and films. And I, of course, love that kind of ambition and drive. I want you to bet on yourself too. And creating your own projects is such a powerful way to do that. You have an idea you know you want to write about. You've got a compelling protagonist because you listened to episode three and you followed the steps, and now you are ready to start writing, baby. So you open your laptop, you are on fire with ideas, you get those hot little fingers that typey type typing, and then eh, you get stuck. You write yourself into a corner, change your mind, delete everything, start again. You're running out of inspiration steam and you don't know what to do. I know. I've been there. So why does this happen? It's because you jumped into scene writing way too soon. Before I had a writing process, I thought screenwriters just sat at their laptops and started typing. You start writing a scene and a script will just magically unfold. That's literally what I thought the writing process was. And of course, my acting training and experience gave me this false sense of not just confidence, but competence that I already mastered the craft of screenwriting. After all, as actors, we read thousands of scripts, we break down auditions, 
When I worked for a production company, I did tons of coverage, and I thought that meant I already knew how to write, which of course I didn't. And I didn't know what I didn't know, and that made my screenwriting journey so much harder and more painful than it needed to be, which is exactly why I created this podcast, so you don't have to go through that kind of pain and frustration by jumping into scene writing way too soon. Let me share the different experiences I had before and after I learned a writing process. Before, I worked on my pilot, which I shared a little bit about in episode three, and it took me two years to write. That was two years from the point I finally decided to make it a pilot. Before that, I spent years changing my mind about whether it should be a pilot or a feature or maybe it's a web series. And every time I changed my mind, I would sit down and start writing scenes. I didn't know anything about how to structure characters to have conflict or act structures or story elements. I just thought I had to figure all of it out through the scenes I was writing. Once I had a writing process under my belt, it made life so much easier. That's when I decided to work on my latest short film, Pigeon. Now that I have a roadmap to follow and I have writing experience under my belt, I was able to outline Pigeon in about a half an hour. Notice I didn't start with scene writing. I actually developed the characters first, then I outlined, then I scripted. Now, of course, there were more steps in between, but don't worry, I'm covering all of those steps in season one of this podcast. Now, obviously, writing a pilot is going to take more time than writing a short, but having that writing process under my belt, knowing what steps of the roadmap to follow in what order made my life so much easier and gave me so much confidence as a writer. Pigeon took me a couple of weeks to develop. And here is the latest Pigeon update. I met with my crowdfunding coach. I'm so excited. I'm about to pull together a small but mighty team to help me with the actual crowdfunding process. If you want to be considered for that, DM me on Instagram. It's at the only Emily Grace. You will get an associate producer credit. You will also get to be instrumental with raising the funds to make this short. And if you're new to crowdfunding, you will get a front row seat to the process that my crowdfunding coach teaches. She is expensive, and you will get to learn the exact process for free because I'm investing in this with my own money. So you'll get to learn all of these tools for free as we embark on this process together. That means you will know exactly what crowdfunding steps to follow the next time you want to raise money for one of your future projects. So if that sparks your interest, give me a shout out on Instagram, but do it fast because that production is about to get rolling. So with the writing process that I followed to create Pigeon, the actual scripting came last. It was the last step of the process. And that's exactly how I teach the order of this roadmap to my Make Shit Happen Club members. Now, there is no right or wrong way to write a script. There is just your way. My goal of this podcast is to share the writing process that works for me help you learn and master these tools, and then you can refine the process to work for you. In my process, scripting comes last. It's so much simpler that way, especially if your project is based on your real life experience. 
Without proper structure, without stakes and a compelling central question, your script can start to feel more like a diary entry. And that might be very cathartic for you as the writer, but it's going to leave your audience bored. We don't want that. Right now, I'm watching Ryan Murphy's Feud, Capote, and the Swans, which is based on a true story. Now, the real story is compelling on its own, but Ryan Murphy and his team still had to add act structures. They need a central question and three-dimensional characters and to take some creative license to make a cohesive narrative to keep audiences hooked, which I absolutely am. I am loving watching this show. Now, I knew about this very scandalous story before it was a TV show, because of course I would. It's right up my alley. If Ryan Murphy's last few TV series are any indication, he also has a great love for old Hollywood. So maybe someday I'll be in a Ryan Murphy writing room, which I would absolutely love. Hit me up on Instagram. (laughs) Now, Capote and the Swans takes place in the 1960s and 70s, but it does tie into Hollywood's earlier days, which I'll talk about in a minute. This show features so many amazing actresses. Diane Lane, Callista Flockhart is back on screen, Chloe Sevigny, Demi Moore is back on screen, we've got Naomi Watts, we've got Jessica Lange. These are leading ladies who are all in their late 40s to mid-70s. I am loving Ryan Murphy bringing this stellar cast of older actresses together. Jessica Lange, so close to my heart. I loved her in Tootsie. It's one of my absolute favorite films of all time, and I've loved her ever since then. She was also married to the playwright Sam Shepard, whose first full-length play, La Turista, was produced at the American Place Theater by Wynne Hanman, who was the protege of Sandy Meisner, and I'm very proud to say Wynne was my acting teacher for a time. He was such an amazing mentor. He was an amazing storyteller. He taught well into his 90s, and he would have continued, but then COVID hit, and sadly, he died of a COVID-related illness, which really was the only reason that he stopped teaching. I'll have to do a standalone episode about Wynn because his legacy is incredible. This podcast is a thread that connects past and present, and I love being a teeny tiny part of that thread. This show is sponsored by Write Your Short. If you want to write and produce a script that you love, but you don't know how to get started, go to writeyourshort.com. Don't create in a vacuum or try to figure this out all by yourself. Learn how to write a festival-worthy script you can produce or star in or direct or wear all those hats at once. With writeyourshort.com, you can get the exact next steps you need to take based on where you're at in the process. No guesswork, self-doubt, or overwhelm. Just a proven process to make the most powerful film possible. That's writeyourshort.com. And now, back to the show. Okay, so back to Capote and the Swans. Tom Holland is so good as Truman Capote. It's the same actor who played the leader of the murderous gays in White Lotus. And if you don't know the real-life story, buckle up, because it's a real doozy. Truman Capote was lauded as a literary genius. He wrote the novella Breakfast at Tiffany's, which, of course, the film starring Audrey Hepburn is based on. 
He also wrote what he called a nonfiction novel called In Cold Blood. It was sort of an early foray into true crime, which of course is a huge genre with so many podcasts about those type of things now. And that book, In Cold Blood, really put him on the map as being internationally known. Now that I'm saying this out loud, I bet Truman Capote and Wynne Hanman crossed paths at some point. They were both in New York City in the same era. Truman Capote was a playwright as well, and I bet they crossed paths. I'm going to look into that, and I will bring that back when I do my Wynne Hanman standalone episode. So Capote became the toast of New York City society. He was a very coveted dinner party guest. He was known for these incredible entertaining stories, and everyone was, you know, falling over themselves to get Truman as their dinner guest. And he developed these very deep friendships with the wives of very powerful men. These ladies were rich, they were waspy fashion icons and socialites. They were internationally known in their own right. So Callista Flockhart plays Lee Radziwill, who is Jackie Kennedy's sister, to give you some context. Capote became sort of a surrogate husband slash gay BFF to this circle of women, and that is where Capote and the Swans picks up. He lulls each woman into really letting her guard down, confessing her deepest secrets to her bestie, Truman, and developing probably her closest, most intimate personal bond. Because the show goes into detail about how much the husbands were all a bunch of assholes and not very good partners, which left a space for Truman to fill. And then Capote goes on to write a book that basically spills all these deep personal secrets. He airs all of the dirty laundry and he uses these very thinly veiled aliases. He published an article that's based on the book, you know, when they, they publish an excerpt of the novel that was published in Esquire magazine. It's called Le Cote Basque, 1965, which is set in the real-life restaurant, the well-to-do restaurant where ladies who lunch and Truman would gather to see, be seen, and talk shit about other people. And that article was the beginning of the end for Truman. It was very obvious who each of these aliases were alluding to. And as I said, these women were fashion icons. They were socialites. They were known by name, probably first names, right? And in the the New York Post, when you're on page six and your name is bolded, that's the type of women they were. And everyone knew all the shit that Truman was spilling about, like, their really dirty secrets. After that, he was completely shunned by his swans. I don't love the possessiveness, right? Truman and the swans. Like, the swans are each an individual woman with her own lives. Anyway, so he's shunned by the swans. And the show on FX, you can also watch it on Hulu, recounts his very epic fall from grace. Now, in my opinion, Truman Capote is a dick. <laughs> the audacity of this man to collect these women like they're playthings or dolls for him to, to play with. He lulls them into this sense of safety, and then he absolutely humiliates them, not just in their personal lives, like on a global scale. 
it's abuse, right? It's twisted and it's abusive and it's gross. And then the writer in me thinks, well, you know, they say write what you know and we're all writers here. And of course, your work has elements of your lived experience. It's based on real people. But this is just too far. You can't use the, well, you knew I was a writer when you told me that excuse to get out of this. So that's my opinion on Truman. I want to know what you think. Where is the line in terms of creative license? Do you side with Truman or do you side with the swans? DM me at the only Emily Grace to let me know. Now, this is also a time where I'm realizing, I know I'm very new to this podcast, but I know we're going to need a community aspect in the near future because I want to have these discussions as a group in real time. I want to know what you think. I want to see what the consensus is. I want to have a bonus workshops where we can talk about the act structure and the character structure of things like TV episodes like this. So I just want to plant a seed with you now. A community aspect will be coming soon because, yes, you can DM me on Instagram. Please do. But I also want to talk as a group about this stuff. If your circle of besties were highly recognizable public figures, would you risk getting ostracized by writing very obvious characters based on them and outing all of their dark secrets? I think I would only do that if I absolutely hated them. And that's what I think Truman Capote did. He must have absolutely despised them to be able to do that. I could never do that to someone I considered a friend. So how does this tie into old Hollywood? I told you I was going to tie that in. So let me let me show you how the threads connect. So one of the swans, Slim Keith, who's played by Diane Lane, is a direct link. I'm sure there are other links, but this is the one I'm going to focus on for today's podcast. Slim Keith was born Nancy Gross. <laughs> Quite a different shift in name, isn't it? She was born Nancy Gross in California in 1917. She was introduced to Hollywood society as a teenager by the actor William Powell, who noticed her diving into a desert pool. Her nickname, Slim, was no doubt due to her long limbs and her lanky frame, and it was a nickname that stuck with her for the rest of her life. She went on to marry film director Howard Hawks, who, as it happens, worked with Mary Pickford on multiple projects. Mary Pickford, of course, is part of the inspiration of my company name, Pickford West, and you can learn more about her in episode one of this podcast. In addition to an illustrious film career, Howard Hawks directed To Have and Have Not, which was Lauren Bacall's debut film starring opposite Humphrey Bogart. It was Slim who noticed Lauren Bacall's magazine photos and suggested that her husband cast this young model in his film, and Howard Hawks listened to his wife, and he did it. Bacall's character is named Marie Slim Browning. Notice the nickname, ding, ding, ding. And this character is the embodiment of what some like to call the Hawksian woman archetype. This is a tough-talking, direct, witty woman who is confident that she can get what she wants and goes directly for it. Catherine Hepburn is another version of this archetype. Now, some believe that Slim Keith was the real-life prototype of the Hoxian woman, and Bacall's character having the nickname Slim certainly supports that theory. 
Flim Keith's real-life style also really heavily influenced the wardrobe for Lauren Bacall in this film. Now, at the time, she would have been Slim Hawks. Keith was the name of her third husband. Right now, we're only on husband number one, but that's the name that she goes by in Capote and the Swans. So I want you to know I'm talking about the same person. Now, the film To Have and Have Not was also the catalyst for the Bogey Bacall love story. This is how they met, which many see as one of the greatest love stories of all time. Well, maybe it was, but if I look at it from today's lens, they met when she was a 19-year-old virgin and he was a married man in his mid-40s. No 40-something man needs to be dating a 19-year-old, so sorry to burst your bubble about that, especially one who has a wife, but they did seem to really love each other. So who knows? Okay, so that's a quick overview of Slim Keith's ties to early Hollywood. So now let's tie it back to today's theme, writing a script based on real life. This type of a script still needs to have structure. It needs to be a standalone narrative that is separate from real life. This is an obstacle I've seen many clients struggle with before they work with me. If your script is inspired by real life, you have to give it structure. You don't want to fall into the trap of getting so attached to what actually happened in this exact order to make it so super authentic. Sometimes your attachment to too many details can make your story tedious and boring. And especially if you are very close to the story that you're writing, if it's very fresh, if it's very painful or very meaningful for you, please do not start with scene writing. You will get lost in there and spin around endlessly. Build your foundation first. Here's a quick overview of what that foundation looks like and what season one of this podcast is all about. You want to start by creating compelling three dimensional characters. Then you want to structure your protagonist and antagonist to have conflict with each other. Create what I like to call a mini outline. I'm going to talk about that more in a future episode. Make sure you're getting feedback every step of the way. Feedback is so essential, not just at the end of your draft, but in the development process, you want to be getting feedback from someone who knows more about screenwriting than you do, so you can test your idea every step of the way. Then you want to move into an outline for your script that's going to hit all of your story elements. Don't worry, we're going to talk about three-act structure and story elements in a future episode. And then you can start scripting. If that sounds like a lot to do before you actually get to writing scenes, let me share my experience. When I first learned this writing process, I felt like it was a waste of time. I wanted to jump into scene writing so badly, right? I was itching to get to what I considered the good stuff and the fun stuff. I didn't understand that building the foundation like this first would save me so much time later. One of my Make Shit Happen Club members, Katie, is a first-time screenwriter. She had an idea that she absolutely had to write about. It's an experience from her personal life. It's deeply important to her to turn this experience into something she can share to help other people heal. It's deeply meaningful. It's super personal. And when I first met with Katie, she had a vision for the tone. She knew the world of this piece 
but she didn't know how to get that idea into her head, onto the page, into a compelling narrative. Katie followed the exact process that I'm sharing with you here in season one of this podcast. She built the foundation for starting with character. She followed the process from there, and she was able to write a script that she absolutely loves in just eight weeks. Eight weeks. That was it. And now she's gearing up to star in this film next month. She's in pre-production as we speak. So even though it may feel like building the foundation first is going to slow you down, it's actually going to save you so much time. This process works. Now, if you're listening to these episodes out of order, just know season one is designed to go in order. Each episode builds upon the one that came before. By the end of season one, you will have the entire process to build your foundation, to develop your idea, and to be ready to jump into scripting. And your idea is going to be in such great shape, it's going to save you a ton of time in the end. In the next episode, episode six, I'm going to talk about how to structure your antagonist. In episode three, we got started with building a compelling protagonist. We talked about how to structure that character. Episode six is going to be the companion to that. So you're going to learn how to design your antagonist to clash with your protagonist to drive your story forward. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next time. If you enjoyed the show, remember to subscribe and even better, leave a five-star review. Ready to finally write and produce your damn script already? Go to writeyourshort.com to get started. And connect with me on Instagram at the only Emily Grace. Your story matters. And who better to tell it than you? Stay tuned for the next episode and I'll see you there.